Welcome back to another Progress Pure podcast, everybody. This week, we've got dating series. We're talking sex, celibacy, and relationships with Shona Virtue. I actually came across Shona because I was listening to a woman called Kagi Dunlop's podcast, which is called Saturn Returns. And Shona was on there, they're friends, and they talk about sex. And Shona was talking about how she went through period of her life where she was being celibate and so I checked out who she was and she's essentially is massively successful amazing personal trainer yoga teacher she's got over 400k followers on insta she's got one of the most popular yoga channels in the UK on YouTube and she gave a lot of really interesting advice and a perspective which I had never thought about before in terms of sex and relationships but more importantly for self-discovery through self-exploration. And so I hope you guys get as much out of this podcast as I did. And if you want to follow Shona, check out the description where I put links to her social media channels. Enjoy, guys. Shona, thank you so much for coming on to the Progress Pure pod. Thank you very much for having me. I'm glad we're finally doing this. Yeah, me too. No, it's really, it's my absolute pleasure to be able to have you on. I um. As I was talking to you a little bit about before, so maybe actually before I go into that, it's helpful to say, so uh, Shona Virtue, you're an author, speaker, yoga teacher, PT, apparently you used to be an ex-elite gymnast, which is so cool. (laughs) Was that kind of like the the life career, like that was kind of, you were going to be, do that full time? I mean, I was doing it full time. I was doing over 20 hours a week. Um, And... Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because I feel like so much has happened, obviously, between now and then. Um, You know, then I thought I wanted to be a dancer and I thought I wanted to get into performing arts. And then actually, you know, I started, it was through that that I then found yoga and then fitness. And so it's been it's been a journey that even though, okay, I I didn't become, um, you know, a gymnast, it all contributed to where I am today in a really in a really important way. So yeah, I guess it was part of the plan, but also I couldn't have predicted it, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, a lot of people say that, that even though at the time you're not really sure where something is taking you, when you kind of get to a point and then you look back on it, like potentially you with fitness, you realise like, oh, that was a piece of the puzzle. Totally, and a really important piece of the puzzle, but at the time you don't know that that's, that's what it's doing. And I think so, yeah, you're right, so much of life is like that. Yeah. And so now, you know, you have like over 400,000 followers on Instagram, over 100K on YouTube. Uh, You're the author of The Virtue Method. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, And so I actually came across you because I was listening to Kagi Dunlop's podcast, Saturn Returns. And you guys had this amazing episode on relationships and uh, sex but like kind of like self-exploration with sex and you guys were talking about some really interesting things that you had learned uh, kind of through self-discovery and personal growth in terms of uh, relationship even kind of with yourself or with other people and so when I heard it I was like okay I need to talk to this woman she sounds amazing you were so <laughs> honest and so that's why I really wanted to get you on the pod. Well thank you for having me it's so funny yeah I think um, 
I think Kagi had put some truth serum in my tea <laughs> because I sort of came over and we sat on the couch and she lured me, she lured me into a, to a very deep sense of, uh, of relaxation that I could just kind of divulge everything. And it's quite funny. Um, those always make the best podcasts, you know, they make the best conversations when we can just be authentically ourselves and just open up. But it's always funny because it's always, it always represents a moment in time. You know, whenever you listen to anyone's podcasts, um, or any a guest on a podcast or a podcast, it's like it really it exists. You know, truth only exists within the context of the moment at which it comes out of someone's mouth. You know, mm. and so I think obviously not truth in terms of like scientific facts. Yeah, <laughs> but maybe some <laughs> at times. Um, at one stage, we were very much thought the world was flat, and that was mm-hmm. a scientific fact. So. I know there are still people out there that yeah. <laughs> still oh. subscribe to that truth. So, you know, they're, they're, it, it, that's the thing is like, yeah, anyway, we're going down a rabbit hole on, on whether, you know, truth really exists. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that she definitely lured me in. It was definitely a very honest conversation. And yeah, I'm sure we'll have another one. Yeah. No, I do think that is a really good point because it's so true that like you could say something at one point, but then the whole point of like life is to grow and learn and to listen and hopefully change your perspective because of what other people have learned. So to say that like I believed in X three years ago, so I still believe in X is a really like one sided kind of like limited point of view. Totally. Yeah. And and sometimes you might still have that truth, but it's mm. just it's just expanded and progressed, as you say. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. So before we get into more of the kind of stuff which I want to go into, the juicy like stuff, the juicy stuff, literally this, these questions, everyone that's listening right now is about to get, this is about to get juicy. Yeah, 100%. Um, but yeah, I was curious. And obviously, you know, if you don't want to say you're more than welcome to say, I don't want to say, but like, what are you kind of in terms of like relationships and uh, that kind of thing? Is there anything in particular you're looking for? Are you in a relationship? Um, yeah, that I think it'd be really interesting to hear that. Um, not to sound cliche, but I would have to say that I'm in a relationship with myself right now and trying to understand a lot about myself because I was a serial monogamist for a very long time, probably from about the age of, yeah, I think I was 16 when I entered my first uh, mm-hmm. relationship and I'm now 33. Mm-hmm. So I am single and of course, like I enjoy meeting people um but it's not so I'm not sort of actively seeking I'm sort of more in a state of allowing and allowing myself to learn from interactions that I have with you know different people that come into my life mm-hmm. um but th- that's not to say that if someone came into my life and I fell in love with him that I wouldn't be like oh my god like I'm sorry but I'm in a relationship with myself right now <laughs> I'm just can you come back in a few months like I would be like all right let's do this so yeah, it's hard to say. It's funny because I, I really probably should come to terms with what it is that I really am looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just not looking for anything. That's mm-hmm. how I genuinely feel right now. So I'm sort of at a turmoil between like, are you supposed to like design and then hold the vision and mm-hmm. then try to manifest this person to come into your life? Yeah. Or are you actually better off just like allowing that person and then witnessing what comes up and what is reflected back to you? And so... I'm kind of in the latter stage at the moment and perhaps that's going to reveal some things about myself that I need to learn that 
you know, will be better for me in the long run. And when you say you're in a relationship with yourself, like I, 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 even if it sounds cliche, like I really love it when I hear women say that because like my mom, she's 50 something. I think she's going to be 55 this year. And my parents got divorced when I was younger. And since then she's had some relationships, but like now she really preaches like, Molly, no one is coming to rescue you. You need to just love yourself. Be in, like, you know, she doesn't necessarily say be in a relationship with yourself, but like, you don't need to go out there and, and constantly look for something. Like, if you can mm. be happy internally and like have a great community, then I feel like you get a lot of satisfaction and wholeness from that. And just being yourself without trying to have to chase like someone yes. or find out what they like and think in them making thinking of, of you, did I say the right thing? Like you can just be with yourself and that's so refreshing. Yeah, I think that that whole, yeah, you shouldn't sort of have to feel like that. I mean, those things may come up for you and it's okay if they do, but they, they're teaching you about yourself. I mean, I think the key thing is, is like, when you start to realize that you don't need someone, but instead, you know, you would welcome someone, you realize that when there's not a state of needing and you're just whole and, and comfortable in yourself, you may have a slightly smaller pool uh, to fish from, I have yeah. to say. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, someone really excellent, really excellent is going to come into your life because that's all you'll really allow mm. the space for, if that makes sense. Because it's mm -hmm. like, you're like, you have to be pretty good to like mm -hmm. make this better, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. You know what I mean? And it's not in a sort of like defiant, like, mm -mm, no way, like no men or no women or whatever. Mm. It's just more like saying, like, I would like to meet someone who is going to contribute something to my life that's going to make it better, not worse, because actually right now it's fucking excellent. Right. And so, you know what I mean? So, it's, yeah, yeah when, when you can find that state with yourself, with your friends, your friends, like friendships, man, they're just so important. So anyway, yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think that's something, uh, a really powerful experience for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you're, if you've been a serial monogamist, if you've been from relationship to relationship, often you don't know what that feels like. And so it's really, I was, you know, 16 to, well, sorry, probably not 16 to 33, but definitely 16 to probably like 29. Right. Okay. Um, and that's a long, that's a long portion of my life. And so I'm just in a process now where I'm like, okay, I'm just going to feel yeah. myself yeah. <laughs> a little bit, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it kind of sounds like the time that you can spend just focusing on yourself and prioritizing yourself and not spending that energy thinking of other people means that you can kind of, like you said, heal or grow as a person. And then that makes you realize your worth. And so then, like you said, the pool of people that come in, you're way more cautious about it in a good way, like picky about it yeah, in a good way. Totally. Yeah. Picky about it in a good way. Exactly. Absolutely. And, and you just stay whole to yourself. You don't abandon yourself in order to meet someone else's needs. Um, because that's the thing is like, that's the p most painful part of a relationship ending or, and when I say relationship, I don't even mean necessarily like, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend or girlfriend and girlfriend or boyfriend and boyfriend. I mean, like, relationship being like let's say even if you just kind of went on a couple of dates and then it ended it's like the painful part of those things is when you when you were inauthentic mm. or when you were like I said abandoned yourself to meet someone else's a needs or or what you thought were their needs um and then they still walk away because you're yes. like whoa 
I feel yes. like I feel like less than nothing right now. <laughs> yeah, I totally and get so, that. Right? And so it's like you're picking yourself back up and that's the part that really hurts because it's like the shame of abandoning yourself. You're like, well, they left and I left. Yeah. So I'm really worthless. Yeah. So it's, it, you know, it, that's, that's a really important, you know, lesson in the, in the whole process is learning to just stand up for yourself and be authentically you and not abandon yourself and, but still be able to yeah. give without, you know, destroying your boundaries. Around it's it. so funny that you say that, you know, you feel really worthless after that. Like if you've dated someone for a period of time and maybe you're trying to please them so much that you end up losing oh. yourself in it. But like, because mm-hmm. I totally had that. Like I had this kind of very short relationship from like September to December of last year. And I remember in that, like trying to be so perfect the whole time, like <laughs> physically perfect, emotionally perfect, all of this stuff. And at the yeah. end, it still didn't fucking work out. <laughs> yes. but, and even though I felt like, are you joking? Like <laughs> this is me trying I'm to be excellent right now yeah I'm like I am like gold star potential girlfriend like what the (laughs) fuck but then after all that even though I was just kind of sitting there like I don't understand at the same time it was such a like um eye-opening refreshing thing because I was Mm -hmm. like oh yeah like I'm never ever gonna be good enough for somebody who I'm not supposed to be with so why would I ever try to be anything that's not just who I am and that, that has really helped and we have to go that's yeah I've been girlfriend I've been through those relationships <laughs> myself as well and and I think you know the funny thing is is like you know a lot of people like to associate with the term like empath like I'm an empath and so like you know really but actually there's a lot of codependency within the context of the way we describe empaths and so I know there are different concepts I know they're different things but I think that definitely I can sp- only speak for myself I had a lot of codependent traits that would cause me to do that to sort of abandon self Mm. and um and that codependency I always joke with my my girlfriends and I have a lot of like also (laughs) reformed codependent girlfriends as well (laughs) and we just joke about how like how excellent a codependent can be at being the best fucking girlfriend (laughs) because they're just like they just literally try to meet your needs that's it (laughs) That is it. We just become so good at it. Like whatever, we'll figure it out in the beginning of the, the first few weeks of mm-hmm. dating. We're like, okay, cool. And like this. And then just, yeah, okay, yeah, cool, yeah. cool, tick, tick, tick. And then next thing you know, we're trying to play that perfect role. And, you know, we can, we can hold it down. But I often say like, it's a blessing when those relationships break down, even though they are the most painful, mm-hmm. even if they don't last that long, they are so painful, depending on the degree at which you were inauthentic or the degree at which you'd abandon your own needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet they have just, there's so much gift in that adversity of mm. growth. So anyone anyone listening that is literally like feeling at the lowest of low right now, really dealing with a breakup, like just know you're not alone in your pain. I know that doesn't always help everyone, but also know that there there is a gift in this adversity. It'll it'll reveal itself. You just got to keep working through it and keep allowing it to kind of like peel through those <laughs> the onion, get yeah. to the get to the core. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and also just feeling, uh, it's okay to just feel shit in those situations and just, uh, just sit in it for a little bit rather than constantly being like, I need to try to feel better. I need to find someone else. I need to just like sit in that and just be aware that it feels a bit shit, but that's okay. Yeah, exactly. And don't, you don't have to intellectualize it. Like that's one of my things. Like I'll I'll wrestle with it. I'll grapple with that bad boy. And it's like, sometimes you just got to sit there and allow the pain, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, but yeah, so one thing that I'm super interested to talk to you about is when I heard you speaking on Kagi's podcast, you mentioned how you were going through this period of celibacy. Um, and so that meant no uh, masturbation and no sex. And I was curious as to one, if you're still doing that, how's that going? And uh, yeah, essentially, I'm interested to talk about that. Yeah, so it's funny, the celibacy thing was really, uh, really profound and important for me. Um, And I'm, I I wouldn't say that I'm celibate the way that I was then now. um, Because I have had sex and I have, uh, and I have masturbated, but, um, but I'm doing, because of that period of celibacy, I'm doing it in a much more measured way. Um, and when I say measured, it's, it's not like this formal like thing that I'm kind of like holding. Mm. It's just more that I am really uh, cautious with how I use it. And again, cautious, even cautious isn't necessarily the right word. For someone like myself and the way that I used to use it, particularly sex, um, sex for me was an avenue through which to tell myself that I was accessing intimacy, but actually I was avoiding it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that this is a big topic in and of itself, but it's like you can think you're getting really intimate with someone just because you're having quote-unquote intimate experiences. And this can often be the problem with labeling sex as this kind of, like putting it on this pedestal, mm-hmm. when in actual fact it, it isn't always going to lead to intimacy or true intimacy. Mm-hmm. True intimacy now for me is really being seen by someone and feeling comfortable enough in myself and in the context of the relationship to let myself be held by that person if, if need be. Mm-hmm. So to be seen and to be held. And that is true intimacy to me. And I could have sex with someone for years and never have that. Mm. Um, and that is a, a little bit of because of my codependence, because I know that I have the ability to pretend like everything's fine or pretend or fake intimacy um, when I'm not truly being intimate or truly being authentic. And so that's something that I'm working on. But yeah, so the celibacy helped me to become aware of that, to help me to become aware of like the areas in which I was possibly using sex in particular to um, a numb myself from the fact that I was actually avoiding intimacy, if mm. that makes sense. So sorry for anyone that's like, wait, my what did she just say? No, it's a bit, it's a yeah. bit of a head fuck. You have to kind of, you're like, wait, what? Yeah. But I just know myself a lot now in that case, um, and in in that within those circumstances that I'm like, okay, this is why I need to take a, a bit of a break from it. That is really interesting because it's kind of like, okay, I'm gonna try to not have sex or do those things but it's not and even though that makes it sound like it's about the sex it's actually not about the sex at all like no. I, I've never heard that which is this kind of like a, I love doing these podcasts and I like learn something <laughs> or it makes me think about something else and the idea that intimacy like being held by someone like oh my god when you said that I imagined it and it made me feel so uncomfortable like so, yeah exactly it does, right right like I'm like <laughs> oh my god but I can't like what like yes. to break down your walls so much that they could someone can like hold you and, and you just be okay with that that like wow that's made yeah. me I can't even imagine doing that with someone totally and, it, and it's also again it's not about this notion of like rescue I think it's kind of like this the difference between um, you know, the, the princess and the queen, you know, the queen energy is like very much about being strong. And it's kind of like, well, why wouldn't you want to take care of me? 
I'm the mm. queen. Mm. Whereas a princess is like, I need you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? so there's a difference, right? So there's a difference between the, co- the way at which you might look at being held. And so for me, being held isn't because I'm like, help me yeah yeah um, even though by the way there's absolutely nothing wrong with that as well if that's you know the, the, we're all on our own paths but I just know that that's that I don't resonate with that but I do resonate with being taken care of I just mm. it just it just takes a lot like I still get uncomfortable with the notion of I still get uncomfortable at the thought of like even someone carrying my fucking grocery bags mm. for <laughs> you know so it's <laughs> it's just like okay gotta let that gotta let those those walls down not because of a like desperation, but just because it's like we live in an interdependent universe mm. and that interdependency is beautiful. Mm. It's really beautiful. You know, I love that like when I see my friends, it's like we have a sharing relationship. You know, my friend will do something for me. I'll do something for her. Um, you know, when we go to get a massage for example it's like someone is offering something we take that we give them something else now because money is involved we we kind of it kind of I guess disillusioned us to thinking that oh it's just all about money but it's not it is about interdependency it's about the fact that that's the nature of the universe we give and we take and so I think we have to acknowledge that rather than striving for this like defiant independence where we all just have walls up and we're like I don't need you I don't need anyone it's like no we can have this interplay and that's beautiful you know, oh my god! Healthy Sh- interdependence. Yeah, Shona, that is so. <laughs> that is really beautiful because I feel oh, like I've just. Good. I feel like recently, you know, like me and my best friend, we've been going on hinge dates. Like we're twenty four. <laughs> we're like we, you know, we're saying, oh, but this is a red flag. This is a deal breaker. Blah blah blah. And right. then sometimes when you just think about it, and you're just like, like you just said, like we are interdependent beings. We're humans. We're on this planet because we're supposed to help each other and be a community and you know live life and it's so true and it just puts into perspective how stupid all this stuff is is like um of like i mean maybe people find these things important but like don't have sex on the first date he should pay this you should do that you're just kind of like oh wow those things actually that's just not important no i i i don't think so i think we need to i think it depends on the context again of the person like again for someone like me who has in the past and has a habit of using sex as a means to avoid intimacy it can be problematic for someone like me to have sex on the first date because Mm. what I will do is I will then be like oh well we had great sex we had a great sexual connection we we, we had a great and then I think we're having you know we'll have great sex for weeks and weeks and weeks Mm. because there there might be some great sexual chemistry there and Mm. I can disillusion myself and go, oh, well, that means we're meant to be together. And so I spend lots of time (laughs) very cleverly ignoring quote unquote red flags, which sometimes you have to be careful not to kind of like over label people, Mm -hmm. but also um, or over label behaviors, be too cautious. Mm -hmm. uh, Because I think sometimes we can be too quick to kind of go, oh, red flag or like he took he took six hours to reply red flag, like (laughs) whatever it might be. Right. And it's like, let's chill. (laughs) Let's chill. But I think that I, I think that there's um yeah, I think there's something to be said for it, it depends on the context. If it's if it's your rule because you're suddenly like, you know, oh well I'm not a lady, if mm. I you know, it's like, well, what is a le- what hang on, what? 
Yeah. <laughs> what I, is a lady? I would love to talk to you about this because recently, and uh, so without like going into too much, so I do whatever, fuck it, I'm going to say it. So basically, fuck it, just say it. Yeah. <laughs> so my dad recently, and my dad listens to all these, so hey, dad. Um, but so my, I recently released this dating episode, Red Flags and Deal Breakers, and I talk about guys and, you know, dating and all this stuff. And he kind of brought it up to me like, uh, Mole, you know, you shouldn't really talk about these things because guys that are going to listen, like that some of them, you know, guys might, you know, enjoy listening to those kinds of things, but like, they're not going to want to marry you is essentially what he was saying. I swear to God. And I was just sitting there like, dad, this is in the 17th century. But that made me, this is one of the things I sent to you of wanting to talk about was that whole Madonna whore complex. Whore complex. Yes. Mm -hmm. Where guys uh, will, you know, I think this was, um, coined by Sigmund Freud who spoke about that guys will either see women as the slutty whore prostitute um, who they will forever desire and lust over who they will never marry and respect or the saintly Madonna who they want a wife and and who can't have kind of like sexual um, she can't be sexual or any of those kinds of things and they will never want or lust over her but they will marry her and this also ties into what we were talking about of sex on the first date and whether you're doing that for your own reasons or whether you're like I want to be a lady like you mentioned Mm -hmm. Um, and so I would really love to uh, get your opinion on and maybe it has nothing to do with the Madonna Hall complex I think I'm just excited to talk about all this stuff but I would love to get your opinion on sex on the first day and why for you like you kind of just said how that's probably a problematic thing yeah so if for, I, I can I, obviously I can only speak for myself and I can I can only say that for me it's problematic because I I know that I have that habit when it when it comes to to sort of misreading so I may have a great sexual chemistry or connection with someone but they're not actually uh you know great for me in other ways and so I'll sometimes ignore other things um I'll sometimes ignore other aspects and other characteristics um because the sex is good you know because I'm like well but, but we're really intimate and so we're really you know so I have to be cautious of that stuff um when it comes to Uh, you know sex on the first yeah it's really it's really funny because for a long time I was very much like no I want to know I want to know if we have good sexual chemistry Mm -hmm. so I'm I'm in there um the other thing that I think is interesting to consider is that there's a pretty heavy energy exchange that occurs when you even just when you spend time with someone like have you ever just sat in a room with someone that's really heavy or negative and you kind of leave that catch-up feeling like oh fuck I feel really heavy you know it's that sort of feeling think about when you have sex with someone (laughs) that you don't really know (laughs) right on a first date like what kind of energy exchange is going on there and so you know you potentially and if you're quite sensitive to that you know, stuff, and we, we don't have to get into the ins and outs of it because I know for some some <laughs> scientists out there, they're going to be like, what the fuck is she talking about? Other people are going to be like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I just know that when after I've had something like that, there's definitely energies that I'm carrying that I'm like, okay, this isn't, this doesn't feel like my stuff. I just feel like, ooh, because I haven't really gotten to know that person very well um, before allowing them in that space. Mm. Now, whether you want to talk about energy or not, even just allowing someone into your personal space in that way Mm. without really knowing them, sometimes that can feel uncomfortable. Mm. But again, perception is reality. Perception is reality. And so we can choose to attach a meaning to that that is, is um, you know, 
really immersed in that more old school, not very feminist mentality of like, you know, lady this, mm. you know, nothing about female pleasure. It's all just about like how a lady should behave and according to the context of men's expectations. Mm-hmm. Or we can look at it through the lens of female pleasure and just two people interacting and sharing a moment together and how wonderful. And so, mm. so there's that, you know, and it really depends on how you choose to perceive it. And I think that's one of the most liberating things. I mean, it's got a bit, it's not nihilistic, but I guess it's a little bit existentialist is that <coughs> the freedom lies in the fact that it's meaningless. Mm. The freedom lies in the fact that you can choose to attach a meaning to it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is going to be really dependent upon the influences of your parents the influences of your peers the influences of society at the time Mm -hmm. you know it's yeah it's really it really depends so are you saying that actually you think that sex or maybe not even necessarily on the date on the first date but sex in general can be quite liberating because as the woman or as the man I guess whoever you are listening or you know whoever you are yeah listening to this um the power and the freedom within that can come from what you decide to Attached to that, attached to that, yeah. Yeah, I do do think that. What I will say (coughs) is that you have to be very careful that you have, uh, that it's not another, again, and I'm just talking from my own experience, is that Mm. I'm very, (laughs) my ego is very good at convincing me that, you know, (laughs) that it's the right thing to do because you should just live in the moment or whatever. sort of like liberating experience of my ego's decided that this will lead to mm. and you know in the end it still gets me into some trouble it, it just depends on intention like if you're wanting to have a relationship with someone mm-hmm. um and you think you like them enough let's say you've been on a couple of dates like a couple of dates with them and you're kind of like wow like there's a real chemistry there like why not just fucking wait? Like, yeah. what? what is the hurry, though? Honestly, like, what is the hurry? And yeah. this is, I know I sound really conservative, but it's not about conservatism. It's not about you are a whore. If yeah. just, and there's nothing, also, there's nothing wrong with being a sex worker as well. I would yeah. just say that. But <laughs> it's like, you know, you, there's nothing bad about having sex with someone on the first date. But if you do like this person, what are you rushing into? Mm-hmm. Like there's something so beautiful and juicy. I don't know why this word keeps coming to mind, <laughs> but there's something so beautiful and juicy about the anticipation of yeah. whether it will or it won't happen. So like, yeah. why don't we live in that for a little bit longer? Yeah. Kind of like, I think about that feeling of like, you know, when you have like a drink and you have that first glass and you just, you're like, yeah. oh, I'm vibing yeah. tonight. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you have that first Aperol spritz and you're like, fuck yes, summer yeah. and I'm feeling good. And you have the second one, and you're still feeling pretty good, but then you have like the third, fourth, or the fifth, or whatever. Yeah. And you kind of like then, you, and then you're you're done, right? Or, yeah. or you're kind of out, and you're just drunk. But that that tipsy feeling, oh, so good. Like, why don't yeah. we live in the tipsy? And yeah. so I think that like when there's chemistry and there's sexual chemistry between two people, or there's charisma between two people, why not just allow allow that for a few more dates, yeah. and then kind of go, okay, do you know what? Let it brew, let it build, and then by then you kind of know a little bit more about that person, and you can kind of decide because right. maybe it is just the first day you had good chemistry, and then the next day you're like, oh fuck, actually, or next yeah. date, you know? So yeah. there's just no harm in waiting. There just isn't any harm in waiting. That's super- if it's meant to be, it will happen. Yeah, I agree, and it's super interesting because thinking about it from the perspective that you just mentioned of 
if the goal when you to not have sex on the first day is to allow it for you to have time to try and clearly see regardless of whether you have great sex or not to clearly see whether you guys vibe or understand each other or have that level of intimacy which you said before is if someone really sees you and if someone really gets you then sex kind of just clouds that which I've never thought about before it can it can really cloud stuff really easily and so that's why yeah and so it's funny because I'm so glad you're like we're having this conversation because so much about what I see in the media now Mm. because essentially what I'm saying is not very sexy according to the current trends like it sounds like what I'm saying is you know like don't have sex on the first date and hold it back and all this is I just I am saying that to a degree but I'm not saying it for the same reasons that were said in the past Mm. I'm not saying it because I think that it's there's anything bad about um, you if you do it's just more a question of saying like just sit with it for a second because a there's no hurry but also there's a lot that can that you can discover about someone outside of the context of sex if you just allow yourself to to spend time with each other and get to know each other um and I actually think it makes for better sex I I honestly do because it's like the the anticipation and the and the connection that you have is just so much deeper you know there's yeah it's a beautiful thing so I I I just think it's beautiful and I think that yeah when it's just kind of like fucking yeah on the first night I, I, I don't I don't know I just yeah. it, it's not as uh it's not yeah but you know it each to their own like if that's the intent if you're going out with someone literally for that intent then that is 100% okay but if you're going on a first date with someone and you have the intention to meet someone that you would like to be with yeah and have and you know then I would give it a little bit more time isn't that so funny? It's like such a um, contradictory kind of like oxymoron thing. And like guys, I bet if they're listening to this, are probably like, for fuck's sake, like if, a, if, if you're a girl and you like a guy, don't have sex with them. If you're a girl and you just want to fuck and you don't really like the guy, go and have sex with them. <laughs> I know it is very confusing for men, okay. I guess. I suppose I suppose it's really confusing. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, I think it's, it, again, and it's all situational too, because sometimes, you know what, sometimes the time is right and you just, you know, there are plenty of people out there that were like, you know, they had sex very quickly on. But I have to say that none of the long-term relationships I've been in ever happened because, actually ever happened um, because of early sex. Mm-hmm. Like all my long-term relationships came from waiting and not waiting because I was trying to hold it back or to, you know, <laughs> tease him or lure him in or anything yeah. like that. It was just, we got to know each other because some, some of it was like friendship that then led into more. And then we got to know each other on intimate levels in terms of conversations and sharing things about our history and our past. And that just kind of like helped to create this kind of, it's almost like a yogurt. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I thought yogurt or like, a, like a sort of kombucha yeah. of like, kombucha. kind of, you know, it's like fermenting in a really tasty way. And then, and then, you know, then that's it such a, that's such an Australian like fitness person. <laughs> like it's this kombucha. For fuck's sake. I know. I should have thought of something else. It's just like beer. That's fermenting as well. No, no, yeah. that's, yeah, no, that's, that's totally fair. And I think it's important because it actually, it's something that elevates above the whole stupid Madonna Hall complex like it's not to do with that it's not to do with trying to be this angel and like for the male gaze it's just like it's actually for yourself and just making that conscious decision of I want that energy inside me (laughs) you know totally exactly yeah yeah in and around (laughs) yeah yeah no (laughs) exactly that that is super interesting and do you think that 
this is something when you were being celibate do you think that you've had those relationships those meaningful relationships since then because that allowed being celibate allowed you to realize I want to wait or is did that just was that just coincidental and then the celibacy thing added to that I think the celibacy thing just helped me to develop more self-awareness um but actually the waiting thing was something that I'd actually learnt uh, to, to, to kind of, well, I don't want to say to confront, but it was very confronting. I was actually in a therapy session. I was coming off the back of a, a very uh, short, a, a relatively short, like it was only like four or five months long. Um, but it was a pain. It was painful. I'd really, I'd really allowed myself to be just by I, the way that I kind of, I, I, the only way I feel like I can give you an idea of it is like, I felt like I, I plugged this man into my life force mm-hmm. and like he was just he was draining it from me and 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 it was it was my fault because I was I had plugged myself in mm-hmm. if that makes sense it wasn't that he was like this horrible person that was like draining it was like I had I had willingly allowed myself to really just give all of myself to to him and to the relationship um to the point where I just felt completely like a shell of a woman when I came out of it and so I ended up going to therapy and doing psychotherapy uh, doing um psychology sessions with an incredible psychologist and I love her to bits and we did some incredible work on the subconscious and basically she was like I want you to sit when you when you meet someone that you like that you think you like I want you to wait six weeks before you sleep with him and I was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I was like, where's she? No, she's, and in my head, I'm like, she didn't, she didn't say that right. She meant six days. But even that, I was like, six days? Six dates, six days? I was like, no, fuck that. Six minutes. Okay. So like, I, you know, I really was like, how, how, how will I do that? And so it, it actually was really, um, it was really confronting and, uh, I failed many times. Like I met guys and I, you know, I would, I would try my hardest. Um, and when I say met guys, like I, I, I actually, since that date, it's not like I've met loads and loads of guys. And for the record, it's, I, I don't, every person that I slept with, I entered into a relationship with, you know, mm. for a long period of time. But after this one relationship, they just sort of like, I, I say messed me up, but it just kind of broke me open and helped me to find myself. So it's okay. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I found myself being, you know, being really confronted with this notion of like, wow, I want to have sex with them very quickly. And it's mm. like, why? Yeah. What is that eagerness? And that it, it was that eagerness. Sometimes you can find it. It's it's like it's like people that you know maybe have an eagerness to drink or an eagerness to take drugs or an eagerness to online shop. It's like, well, what is the eagerness there? This like uncomfortable like need to do something. What is it teaching you? Like, what if you were to actually refrain from the eagerness and sit in the discomfort that it's that is arising from you mm. not doing that thing? What can you discover about yourself in that discomfort? And so that that was what led to the celibacy because I'd started doing this whole thing of like not having sex with people that I'd met. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, wow, this is teaching me a lot. And so I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to sit with this for a bit mm-hmm. and I'm not going to masturbate either. I'm not going to like numb any pain or distract myself or procrastinate using sexual pleasure. Mm-hmm. I'm actually just going to sit and see what I'm trying to avoid right now in this moment. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. There are two things that I kind of want to 
ask you about on there and um, mm-hmm. the masturbation one is uh, the one after but the first kind of thing that sprung to mind and, and maybe this is like a question that is a product of the society we live in but I'm just trying to imagine being in that situation that you were and going on dates with guys and liking them wanting to have sex with them feeling uncomfortable because you were like I'm trying not to did did you have to explain that to guys like did it ever come up in conversation were they ever like well why not do you know what I mean yeah you know it's funny because it's a really hard conversation to have. Yeah. It's a really, I, I find it hard to have that because it's sort of like, you know, the tension's building. And also if you are, if you have any codependent tendencies, you may have a fear, and this may resonate with people listening, is that you may have a fear that when you express a need that you will be abandoned. That if you express any kind of need to anyone, that they will walk away from you because you have a need. And so you become very good at not having needs. But you don't become good at not having needs. You just become good at masking them or muting them or suppressing them. And they manifest in other areas of your life. Sometimes they manifest, re-manifest as, you know, um, like perfectionism or exercise addiction or, um, you know, eating disorders or, or various different, they can, they can come out in other ways, right? And so, you know, for me, I found that... Um, I became just very, very good at not expressing a need that I had. And so when I would meet with these men, it was sort of like, oh, I want to sit with you and say like, hey, the reason that I don't, like I know this, I really want to have sex with you, but I I can't right now because I've got this thing that I'm trying to do. Mm. (laughs) And, you know, so I found it really hard to find the words, but one way in which it was framed, reframed to me was like, well, anyone that sees your worth for you, Mm. for you, will have no problems at all in sitting through this because they they want to get to know you. And so it actually becomes a really good filter for filtering out the douchebags, basically. Because anyone that's really worthy of actually having sex with you wants to get to know the real you behind the sex, outside of the context of the sex. So that's why it's important at times to hold back because it's like, well, do you want me or do you just want to have good sex? Or do you, and when I say good, that's, sorry, I shouldn't have said good sex, but do you just want to have sex? Are you also just trying to numb yourself from intimacy? So yeah, it's, it's a filter to be honest. That's so, Mm -hmm. I literally got goosebumps when you said that because (laughs) it's such a, I've had relationships or I don't know, relationships, situationships before uh, where you're in them and there's something not quite right. And I felt like, I don't feel like he gets me or like, I don't feel like he sees me or he understands me. And that, what you said would have been such a great way to test if that was true or to see. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's, and again, it's, for the record, it is, this is not a de- carrot dangling thing of like, hey, if you want to come get it, like <laughs> yeah. this coy kind of, yeah, it's not that. It's just kind of going, hey, look, I'm, I'm not about that right now. I, you know, I will, obviously I will be. I, you know, feel sexually, really sexually attracted to you. And you have to find the words that work for you because like obviously something, it's a bit formal if you're like, <laughs> obviously I would like to, you know, connect my penis with your vagina or like having to have sexual intercourse (laughs) but you know yeah obviously you're not going to speak like that but you know it's like you just 
I think that anyone that is truly worthy of you will sit through that and get to know you and want to know you. Yeah. And again, it depends on what you're looking for. If yeah. you are literally just looking for casual sex, then, you know, this, you're probably not, we're not even really talking to you, are yeah. we really? Yeah, no, exactly. In this, in this context, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And the, so the masturbation thing, that's also really interesting because yes. that, that doesn't have to do with necessarily anybody else. You know, you can do that on your own, thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, but so how come that, that you saw that as a part of the, the celibacy thing? Um, because of the ways in which I would use it. So for me, masturbation became a tool for distraction and procrastination. Right. And so it became somewhat problematic. Um, because again, it was another opportunity to numb myself, you know, and I'm old school, like I, you know, social media doesn't do it for me, you know, and I'm like, (laughs) I didn't grow up with social media. Um, but you know, masturbation, (laughs) I didn't grow up with, I guess, you know, so it was like, it's not the same thing. Online shopping doesn't do it for me. Um, these things that we have set up in society to help distract us from understanding our true selves, Mm. um, you know, they, for me, none of them were really working, but, you know, masturbation did work well. And so I was like, oh, do you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to see what happens mm-hmm. when I don't follow that urge and see what is hidden in the discomfort. Mm-hmm. And it, I just wanted to see what would come up for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it was really, and it was interesting because what I found was a pattern that every time I had an urge to masturbate was actually more so when I was avoiding doing something <laughs> that would contribute to taking care of myself. And this is a really interesting notion is like, you know, we get sold so often that self-care and self-love is like, you know, fucking running a bubble bath and lighting some candles and like buying Mm. a crystal or something. Yeah. But truly like self-care is like opening your mail on time, paying, you know, any fines you might have on time, um, you know, or paying bills on time or, you know, responding to you know an email about a podcast (laughs) you know whatever it might be it's like these are things that really relate to true self-care and self-love and so um I don't always think that masturbation is about self-care and I know that it's sometimes sold like that and for many people it can be an act of that but you have to decide for yourself and for me I had really come to realize that the times that I was really craving masturbation were the times that I was actually trying to avoid truly mm-hmm. maturely taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's, that's why I decided to sort of self-regulate a little mm-hmm. bit. Okay. That's interesting. So it's potentially, they're kind of potentially two separate things The mm. um, not, not uh, trying to have sex with somebody when you first kind of meet them until you're aware if you've developed like a meaningful connection with them, that's, that's worthwhile. That's more to do with the codependency thing. And then uh, trying not to masturbate, that's to do with self-love and um, trying to uh, prioritize trying to not, I guess, abuse it in a way to distract yourself. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. This is why, you know, on social media, like black and white statements are really problematic. So we see these black and white statements that are like, you know, masturbate whenever the fuck you want. You Mm. know, you're a strong woman. And it's like, well, yes, Mm. (laughs) but for not, that's not going to apply to everyone, Mm. you know, and, and actually I find more strength 
not in not masturbating, but I find more strength in just sitting with myself for a bit and deciding on whether I, it is that I want to access female pleasure, you know, or my, my own experience of pleasure, or do I want to access distraction? Mm. You know, so I think there's, it's, there's nothing wrong with taking pause. Again, same thing. Same thing is with the dating. It's like, what's the fucking hurry? Mm. Like, just sit with yourself for a sec and go, okay, could it, should I just breathe for a second? Have I done the things that really, like, you know, what, what, what am I avoiding here if I'm avoiding anything? No, okay, cool. Or am I about to just go to bed and it'd just be so nice to, like, have an orgasm and fall asleep? Yeah. By all means. Yeah. That's great. Amen. Don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Yeah. Best way to fall asleep. Yeah. And did you, because, like, you were talking about black and white statements on Instagram. It's so true. Like, I just see them kind of, like, slapdash everywhere and people are like yeah you know have sex with who you want and and all this stuff and like sex toys (laughs) and everything and I'm like so when did we go from zero to a hundred like I don't when I was at school no one spoke about masturbating orgasms it all my guy friends spoke about it and they'd speak about it around girls and I would feel unbearably uncomfortable because I was like if somebody asks me I don't know what the right answer is and uh, now suddenly I, I feel like that everyone is associating this whole female sexual liberation with being yes. super sexual, which is fine, like we said, if that is up your street. But it, I felt like at, growing up, I really had to kind of seek and start to construct and read in ways on how to speak about female pleasure and orgasm or even not necessarily orgasm, but masturbation. So it is quite alarming that there does seem to be this kind of like rush of like everybody go and like do x y and z when i felt like i hadn't come across different levels of uh, of that type of conversation yes 100 percent. and i think we have to accept that like everything everything in society like the pendulum swings mm. so you know, we have a similar situation in the in the sort of fitness world right now where there's like this huge pendulum swinging away from diet culture, which is excellent. Mm. But it's moving so far to the point where it's like anyone that would like to even <laughs> like monitor their diet in any way or maybe they just want to eat a salad, mm. you know, they're being shamed for mm. caring, caring about you know, optimal performance. Yeah. They're, they're, they're being shamed for caring about how to eat or how to take care of their bodies or their vessels in a way that's optimal for the type of output that they want to have. It's like, oh, you're addicted to exercise and you have an eating yeah. disorder because you want to eat a salad and you want to wake up early in the morning and you care about fitness. And it's like, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, what? what? And so, you know, I just think the pendulum always has to swing in, 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 uh, you know, as a revolt. And so I get that and I'm okay. Like it is what it is, but it's just important for, to have voices that are constantly reminding us that there is gray, 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 gray. There are 50 shades of gray. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> you know, it's not just black and white. And so yeah. we just have to just keep remembering that you read a black and white statement, just know that it's also, especially when you read it on Instagram, it's designed to get you to click on it because that engagement obviously pushes that person or that profile up on the algorithm. And so like, we just have to take those things into account whenever we read things. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and one thing that I wanted to ask you just because, uh, like I was saying, I found that it was hard to find conversations or things about talking about orgasms and female sexual pleasure and stuff like that when I was a kid. And I wish I had listened to something or spoken to someone who spoke more about that. Uh, Like the first time I only ever, basically I had to find out, I had to literally look up on YouTube, like how do you orgasm as a girl? Because I had no clue because girls didn't talk about it. I was like 18 and looked it up on YouTube and was like, 
Oh, this is what it's about. So funny. And like so that funny. that was like the one of the best days of my life because I was like, "Oh my god, like I get it now." But I was just wondering if you was it something that you kind of always knew how to do? Did your friends talk about it? Did you have a moment like that or anything? Oh god, no. I was a I was a horny little devil <laughs> from a very young age. Yeah, from a that. very young age. I don't know whether it was a gymnastics thing cuz actually my gosh, like my little the little gymnast, like my my best gymnast friend. I'm not gonna say her name because poor thing. Like she'd be like, oh, how could you just give my secret this, this secret away? We were like probably like eight years old. We used to like sneak into my mum's. My poor mum's gonna listen to this too and be like, what? <laughs> we used to sneak into like the bedroom, her bedroom, and like shut the door yeah. and then go through her lingerie, try on her lingerie, and then one person would wear. My God, my poor mum. So sorry, mum. Um, and put on like these little eight-year-old girls like putting on this like massive lingerie oh and then one girl would pretend to be the guy the other girl would pretend no to be the girl way. yeah and so we'd have this sort of like se- obviously we had no yeah, of fucking clue what we were doing but we would just have this sort of sexual experience between each other like sort of exploring yeah. um and I, I, I don't think that i orgasmed but i remember it feeling particularly good and obviously being a gymnast i was incredibly in touch with my body mm. um and i think that that does make a difference in your set and this is a total guess so i don't have any study i don't even know if, if that's an ethical study that you couldn't <laughs> really do an ethical study on this but um i do think that perhaps you know there are certain things that can happen at an earlier age um if you are very in touch with your body. And so, yeah, I, I, God, I think I was like very, very young when I had my, when I had my first orgasm. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah. No, a hundred percent that I, I also had something when I was really young with like, it was funny. It's, we was with another girl where like we were kind of exploring sexual. We didn't really know it was sexual though. Like just yes. kind of like hanging out. It's like an out. inner urge. Exactly. Mm-hmm. An inner urge. You don't know what, like what you're doing, but like you also kind of know it's wrong. Like you're like, I know this isn't, like you know whether it's sneaking into your mom's room or like whatever you're doing you're, yeah I'm, you sort of like you just are like this is this feels a bit naughty yeah, yeah. exactly but the mm-hmm. funny thing is is that girls don't talk about it and i guess that that even from when we're born whether that's a society we live in and just subliminal messaging or saying inappropriate things when you're little and not knowing and then your parents be like you can't say that it's just something that i feel like bruise and bruise and bruise and mm. it's a shame because then for a lot of women it can mean that they don't actually explore themselves sexually or discuss these things until a much later period in in life you know and which is great they talk about it at some point but it's just a shame that there has to be so much shame about talking about that stuff totally and I do think that that limits your ability to have an orgasm I don't think that there's you know if you haven't orgasmed it's not because there's something wrong with you Mm. or that there's you know it's like there is so much shame I remember you know in in uh we were still in primary school it was three three girls, so myself included. So myself and then two other girlfriends of mine were like best friends. We had a little like crew. We had this little book and we'd like draw, like we'd, we were basically just exploring concepts of sex that we'd like overheard or we saw and we'd write, it's like, it was like a little journal between the three of us. We were so young, like we're talking like year six. So I don't even know how, year five and six. Mm. Anyway, so it was this little diary and it had like cartoons that we'd drawn of like <laughs> willies, of course. Yeah. But then it also had like things where we're like, oh, and I was watching a, se- a sex scene came on and this happened and this happened. And we were just fucking exploring yeah. something very like natural. It was not, you know, it, we, <laughs> there was nothing sinister about it. And we basically, one of the teachers found it <gasps> and we were reprimanded so 
hard, like yeah. to the point where I remember sitting in this room, it was like a trauma piece, like we were bawling our eyes out because we we were put into so much trouble and then they're like, we're going to tell your parents, this is absolutely disgusting, we cannot believe that you guys, and it's like, what? what? Like, oh. I know that the boys would not have, and I went to a co-ed school and I know that the boys would not have been treated the same way about mm. that kind of, they would have been like, oh, silly boys and mm. like, this is terrible. And they would have like, they would have still reprimanded them for something that I just, I think we shouldn't have such taboos around. Mm. But it, it it's just more that it's like our intention for doing it was like exploration. It wasn't that we were ever, I mean, we're not predators. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, right. So there was nothing illegal about what we were doing. There was nothing sinister and so yeah it's like that stuff stays with you on a subconscious level yeah. and then again it, it makes you put sex on this pedestal in a in a, a problem what i would like to say is a problematic pedestal not as a pedestal of like i do think we need to put it as a sort of like yeah let's just hold hold that for a second let's know that 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 thing which is a beautiful thing between two people um or three or four <laughs> whatever <laughs> many put in this scenario but like let's just know that it that that is what it is that there are other things to explore, you know, but I think that, yeah, it's just, I, I, yeah. And that's old school. Like, gosh, you know, I think the teacher that got really mad at us, she was like 55 or something like this. And this is back in the nineties. So, yeah, you know, th- th- we're talking like very different generation and I understand that now, but like as a kid, you don't understand that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, you, you know? don't, you don't understand it. And it's so important. I'm so happy that, you know, we get to have this conversation and hopefully it will inspire people to have these conversations because Mm -hmm. so much of the time especially when you have kids you have like reactionary uh, responses to things and you a lot of the time react badly and in a scary way because you don't understand it yourself and you've never had that conversation and so exactly even even my dad having that conversation with me being like listen no guy's gonna want to do this or or you know it's shameful for you to talk and it's just kind of like it's so important to just ask yourself, why is it shameful? Like, what are the connotations with that? You know, what are we, what are we associating with ourselves and with other things when we talk about sex or whatever it is? Or um, yes, I agree. So, Sorry, I'm just moving you because um, my battery's going to die. And no, I just no, go for it. Started to see it go. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, it's on one percent. It's going to drop out. Don't Hang worry. On, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think it's probably a good time to to start wrapping it up there and Shona has, her laptop has just died. So I probably will wrap this up there. Um, but I mean, it's pretty good timing. Hopefully guys, we can start having these meaningful, meaningful, important conversations in a way that if you feel ashamed or, or bad about talking about something to ask yourself, like, why do I feel that way? Um, and, and maybe we should start changing that because, because if you, I feel like in life, if you do something with, with, a good connotation or with a good sorry motivation potentially of that you don't want to that you don't have any bad intentions for anyone then we're just humans on this planet self-exploring exploring trying to and trying to commit create uh, communities and help each other so i'm gonna wrap this up if you guys want to follow shona her instagram is shona s-h-o-n-a underscore virtue v-e-r-t-u-e um she yeah you can check her out on there and you can also check her out on youtube thanks shona (laughs) cool bye what a cool person right 
Shona was awesome. I really enjoyed that podcast and I hope you guys did too. If you felt like you learned something or you have an opinion on something or you want to talk about something, feel free to DM me um, or at me on Instagram at Progress Pure because I love carrying on the conversation past the podcast as well onto social media. And if you did enjoy, please share with your mates, leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and I will see you next Tuesday.